Hi guys, so here we are today with uh, David Spurway, uh, Global Principal at IBM Power. David, good to have you with us. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing well, a pleasure to be with you. Well, yeah, you and I obviously, um, I, th I think we've been speaking for about the last, what, four or five years now? About that, I think. Yes, absolutely. Yes, about the four I know, yeah. I, I, I think at the time, um, you made quite a few introductions for me with Rayon um, to people at um, IBM. Um, and you yourself, you've had obviously a, a very interesting um, uh, career there. Um, and again, a large part of what you do, um, a large part of your background is really focusing on the AI sector. Um, but um, again, ju just to, um, just for the audience, and again, you know, things like artificial intelligence, we hear, we hear it risking becoming a buzzword. We hear different definitions um, of AI. How would you yourself, how do you describe artificial intelligence? How do you define it? So, yeah, I, I've done some, some work with it. Done, I've been on a journey with it myself, learning about it. And I think that that piece is actually, for me, critical. Is, is it learned? Is it, is it programmed? Do you program it with a set of do this when you experience that, do this when you experience the other? If you're programming it, then that's not necessarily what we mean. If you're teaching it, then that is, for what my, for my mind, what AI is actually all about, what machine learning is all about, is that you actually are letting it learn as opposed to setting up a rigid set of programmed instructions that that's that's my view of the world and as you say is it going to take over the world i have a a, a robot lawnmower uh, that wanders around in my back garden uh, mowing the lawn and it regularly gets stuck on the simplest of objects so it's not at any risk of taking over the planet and i feel when the my experience with ai so far it's not that intelligent at all uh, that uh, it can do things that humans humans can't because it's extremely good at doing uh, the repetitive uh, the dull and the dirty uh, if you will uh, but i don't think it's actually at any great risk of top uh, becoming actual full-on intelligent, cognitant, uh, and being any, any dangerous to the rest of us in any time soon. Well, that actually, do you know what? I, I'm going to skip and I'm going to jump into this. Um, it, in terms of like sentient AI, um, is this something, whether now or in a hundred years from now, is it something that is going to um, uh, prove a threat to, to, to humanity in any way? In any way, I, I think in any way, yes, it potentially it can, because what I see it doing at the moment and, and, the, and the, what it can do, as I've said, that for me, AI is being taught. And one of the critical bits that you know about, about teaching is what data you put in. And so we certainly do experience and have seen examples of AI with limited or biased data sets, thinking that its entire view of the world is that data set, and it can misunderstand the vital parts of our society by not actually having had the data in the first place. So mistakes can be made by these AI machines based on the data that are fed into it. And if we give too much power and, and authority to systems uh, which actually have got a limited spend on spend of training, that can be a problem. I think that's where I could see the earliest and, and it's already happening uh, space of where it can be a challenge. Uh, will the machines that actually get to the stage of, uh, of Ultron and, and uh, turning into things that will actually make themselves? I, I can't see that happening in any, any short frame. Because I think, again, while we see these earlier mistakes, where we see these earlier pieces of trained with this, uh, this data and then get things wrong when we introduce other parts that are outside of their experience, I think that will in, in keep us thinking about it, keeping, uh, keeping us aware, looking at the, the bias that can come into AI and considering it and therefore not giving them that kind of power and control.
control, but I still see an absolute place for them, that the, kind of the place where we can actually have uh, the spread of data is so complex, the spread of our systems, you know, all the people and the processes and the technology can get so complex uh, that the ability to be able to look in and spot patterns where we mere humans uh, do are, are challenged or indeed it's just not practical, there it's really got a place. So, so what, what, what does that really mean in terms of um, for the jobs market? I mean, you know, again, automo you know, like fully autonomous vehicles don't seem to be light years away. Right? Agreed. Agreed. Yes. Um, yes. That, 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 that's going to have an impact on the jobs market. Um, you know, where what other areas do you think? Um, artificial intelligence will will replace humans then? Yeah, as, as you say, I, my, my eldest daughter is going through the process of learning to drive at the moment uh, and uh, and has done the inevitable process of scraping the car as a result and, and such things do happen. Um, and uh, we have bought, therefore, a new old car for, for my, my daughter and my middle daughter to both learn. But it is in my mind that when it comes to my son's turn and, he, and the, he's, he's got a few years yet before he approaches that, will he be learning to drive? Because as you say, I think the, the, uh, the, the time when cars will drive themselves uh, is definitely approaching and what the impact that will have on the job market it will change it absolutely uh, that uh, we know that actually that kind of delivery driver process is, is a very difficult challenging job and could be one that ends up being looked at uh, so I see that take, taking place we also see uh, work we've done using uh, drones that, that look around to be able to spot defects uh, spot airways where are broken uh, we had one of our team in IBM uh, looking at uh, dirty videos and by that I mean uh, videos down sewers uh, and such to okay. spot defects inside of of sewers, that sort of process of, of humans looking at screens, trying to match and, and do pattern matching, we get bored, we get distracted. Yeah. Uh, people think about other things. And so I absolutely see AI beginning to take over in that space where they're looking for a defined pattern. Um, Driving's more of a challenge, but when it comes to the kind of you know, going down a tube, spotting things which are, are corrosion or, or breaks, a person could miss one so easily as the thing flies down the tube, whereas an AI could do that far more effectively. And also people, you know, we do we get bored and it's not high job satisfaction when it comes to watching videos day in, day out. And I think those, those kind of jobs are going to be replaced, uh, opening them up to where we are so much better because we are much better at making the intuitive jump. Humans are better at making the intuitive jump away from just the top AI kind of world to uh, that I see this and it looks strange. Not that I see this and I know what it is, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Uh, that, that's this kind of difference I think that humans will always be better at. But do, do you know what's interesting? So, so like when you like, see like, um, like the Amazon factories, for instance, right? They obviously have like thousands of workers there and the workers kind of like, they, they wear like, they're like almost like similar to like iPads, not iPads, mm -hmm. sorry, like iPhones rather mm -hmm. on their wrist. And they wear like um, almost like a, a piece like on their index finger and their thumb. And they almost use it as not as um, a way to like scan each individual item. And they can't scan um, one, sorry, the next item or complete any, um, any operations out of sequence. Mm -hmm. they're constantly being told do this do this do that right and yeah. and you can't really make a mistake you can't move on to the next task before you've completed the current one so you know we are using humans to train like ai right yeah, essentially machine learning but when it comes to you know watching videos you know humans make sense it's much more objective yes. so 
you know, what, what are the risks there in terms of actually creating not not a bias, but you know, errors in terms of you know the the initial outset, the training. Uh, I think the, the, the potential for bias we know is absolutely true. And sure. so uh, that uh, we, I've looked at, I, I was part of uh, the, the BAME community group inside of IBM. Uh, so obviously, given my skin tone, this is something where I am com- coming in as an ally and looking to learn uh, and understand and, and see hearing some of the stories from the BAME community about AI that's live and, and being in production in the world today, making quite, quite wrong uh, assumptions and, and uh, decisions uh, about people based on the training had me do just a little tiny experiment that uh, I'm a Scotsman, as my, my accent may or may not be coming out across uh, too strongly these days. It depends on how often I've been back to Scotland to determine this. But, but I know that AI, if I speak to it, doesn't always understand what I say. And then also I've, I've done the sort of process of where I wear my national dress, because uh, again, working in the BAME community, hearing about different people wearing different clothes and the, the data that's fed in, not understanding that, not having experienced that, not being able to determine that properly. When I stand in front of an AI system with a kilt on, it thinks I'm a woman. And then when I uh, sort of narrow that down to being able to have a friend, a picture of myself where I've got a couple of my friends beside side by side, we are all women, apparently, which is not true. And then when I narrow it down to just me, it's not sure and it loses off all gender entirely because it can't quite work out what I am. So because it's not seen pictures of a, of, of a man like me wearing a kilt. And so the same sort of process, of course, with that bias, with the, the limited set of data that gets fed in, causes problems, causes big problems uh, for people much bigger than the experiences I had uh, that can actually find themselves more likely to be determined to, to need to go to jail and other much more serious situations than I've ever had. So the, the, the potential for bias is very, very real and needs us to consider, and, and IBM's trying hard to do this, what we do with that. Um, IBM has a, a group inside of it a kind of uh, a set of initiatives referred to as responsible computing. It has six different domains to it, and one of them is uh, responsible computing data. And that's about that AI piece, about the use of the data, how the data is used, uh, then the AI teaching from that data is considered to keep it responsible and get to the point where uh, we, IBM, uh, can enable uh, others uh, who are providing IT services, be that within their own companies or two companies, to get to the point of being trusted, to, to know they're responsible, to get to the human stage of being trusted. And again, how do you teach trust? You, you don't, you, you have to earn that instead. Uh, but if we actually get to the stage of looking at these and acknowledging the problems and then finding ways to be able to change that and move that forward, that's how you can get to trust. So, I mean, I mean, really, I mean, in terms of like machine learning and structured data, which I guess kind of like is really what you're alluding to. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you know, what, what, what does the future hold? Yeah, sure. So as you say, uh, my experience, I did a lot with images and videos. And so we've done a lot of work with that, which is actually more on the unstructured data side of things. But you're quite right, actually. This is where we are now beginning to focus our efforts and is more closely is to structured. Um, that uh, we, I work in the bit of IBM that uh, works on servers. And so most of our servers are running great big databases of structured data for our customers running mission critical workloads to them day in, day out. And so that's the bit that we are now focusing our attentions on is how we get to stage of being able to look at that structured data in that database, which can be very real time. And what we did before was we had a server that was built for AI and we had a server that ran the database and they were separate and they had different uh, characteristics of how we actually defined and built the architectures of the servers. But what that meant was that to be able to do AI on the data, you had to copy it. 
And the moment you copy it, you're now out of date. And so what we're now focusing on is putting elements into our latest round of servers, which accelerate the emission, the matrix mathematics, the actual maths behind that teaching process to be able to run that directly live on the mission critical data where it stands without copying it to be enabling the potential to do it in real time. So that can be the sorts of things where you are using the structured data maybe that might be in a, in a kind of banking scenario uh, looking at credit risk. Uh, again, doing that extremely quickly, getting the answer to your, to your customer very, very quickly. But we still know we have to be careful with the bias of that data, that uh, we know we need to be uh, aware that if it's making decisions that actually begin to exhibit bias, reacting to that. And we do have, uh, outside of the server portfolio, other parts of IBM have the ability to be able to look in at the decisions that these things are making, be aware of what the patterns that are now being established without knowing how they were trained in the first place, but just watching the pattern of decisions. Is there a bias emerging here? If there's a bias emerging here, alerting people to that, uh, is it saying that credit scores for women are lower than men? Because why would that be? But these things can happen. Watch it, observe it, react to it. And then of course you can know the data you're working with, retrain as appropriate, because if we're going to make these decisions fast, we need to be able to trust them. I, I think, I mean, and I think I remember speaking to you about this about four or five years ago, is that actually like, even with ourselves, right? We had tried to uh, train our own programs mm -hmm. um, by showing them millions of photos. Um, and again, we found that it was impossible to erase the bias. Right, so right. What yes. we essentially did, we had to, we actually went back to basics and we said, we have to scrap this. We have to take this out of our product. This can't be something that we do, or at least for now, right? It's right. been a right. few years. Um, you know, where do, where do you stand in terms of like, where do companies draw the line in terms of saying, actually, you know, this this AI works and there's there's not any major bias in it and this adds huge value, whereas something else might actually be discontinued because it doesn't actually do what it's set out to do. Right, and as, as I mentioned, we've had a had a shift. We've, we've had what's been referred to inside of IBM as, as a pivot on our structure and strategy within AI, in that we know that actual, the use of facial recognition is something which we need to be careful of. Uh, that, as you say, there are well-documented examples around the world uh, through across all manner of different vendors, well-meaning systems which actually ended up having distinct problems within them. Uh, we did also continue to use that kind of image recognition as COVID began to change, as people went back to work, we had systems in place um, which were looking at, uh, are, is someone wearing a mask uh, or are they not? Are they wearing, uh, are they practicing social distancing? And that kind of facial recognition, or that recognition, that image recognition, as opposed to facial recognition, image recognition, that didn't seem to have any fundamental problems. Uh, you know, it was the sort of thing where it would a little bit easier to teach, are you wearing a mask, are you not? Uh, there would probably be examples where it, it made uh, mistakes. Uh, you've seen some of the really uh, graphically fun masks that might look completely different and that could well break the system. Uh, but if people are wearing the sort of more standard ones, it will it will be there and react to that appropriately. Uh, it's it's there and as, as people, the COVID world continues to evolve and we'll see how that actually works with the different kind of methods of us going back to workplace, masks on, masks off, those kinds of elements. So I see image recognition, and of course you mentioned cars earlier, they have to use image recognition. Uh, that's the sort of thing which is going to be real, going to carry on, 
facial recognition is something we need to treat, need to treat with care because that can certainly uh, have, have biases which are, you know, kind of, and, and as I say, my little experiments were just, were just playing, but people have had real life-damaging life decisions made by these systems uh, from, from facial recognition that needs to be done with, with awareness and with great care. And audio recognition, right? I mean, well, again, yeah. you alluded to that before about the uh, <clears throat> about accents. You know, what, what is it about accents that you know AI AI really, or not not just AI? That's not fair to say, but technologies have really struggled with. They have, they have. And I, I must say, I, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, there there is the the fun video. I'm sure people have seen it with the the, the rather more uh, serious Scots accents than I now have of the the lift and and uh, the floor eleven uh, stuff, which does make me laugh. Uh, but uh, why it is that can prove so difficult? I have to start with the assumption that again, what is the data that's being fed in? That has it ever had a Scots accent? Has it ever had a regional? Accent? accent uh, shown to it has it been simply trained by our dear american friends uh expecting everyone to speak in the in this in the same way which we know we don't um and the the, the breadth and and, and diversity there uh, in the most obvious of sense is it can be a real challenge because that data needs to be in uh, and as you say if you found where in your experience working with your images that you, you absolutely couldn't remove the bias that that's very interesting uh to, just to be able to give it the full breadth is the starting point but if that wasn't enough then that's that's interesting yeah we walked away we walked away so and again i you know i think um again with with regards to what we're looking to do i think that you know we're obviously holding a lot of like very sensitive data yeah. has to you know and again i've spoken to you about this i think it led on to a, a conversation around superheroes but uh well, that does happen with morality me. yeah <laughs> it was right it, we, yeah, uh, yeah, very likely yes yes, yes it, it was it was uh, i i think i think i was saying that or maybe you were saying that actually batman is 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 the bravest because uh essentially you know he doesn't actually have any superpowers whereas he doesn't have any superpowers that's right yeah exactly, exactly. right yeah. Uh, however, I did. I have subsequently discovered that again, his uh, diversity is, is leaves quite a lot to be desired when it comes to actually how he treated the Bat Girls. That you know, did very differently from from the Robins that he had. Mm, not so good. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I didn't know about that before when we had the other no, conversation. But yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think Batman of the nineteen sixties has a uh, has right, right. Yes. But, um, yes, exactly. but again, you know, I mean, speaking about. Um, um, uh, the past. I mean, you've had a very interesting career. I've been fortunate enough to know you uh, long enough to, you know, to have some interesting discussions with you uh, about it. I mean, what what is your background? Because you've obviously been at IBM for quite some time. Quite some time. Yeah. Huge, like evolution uh, take place. And one thing, and I'm not going to ask you about this, but one thing that that I have mentioned to you is that. Over the last couple of years, we've kind of seen this making of like a bear market within the tech sector, mm -hmm. whereas IBM have really like held their own, have really held strong. So, you know, in, in terms of um, your own background, you know, where, you know, how, how have you, well, really, what is your story, I guess? And also, where do you see like IBM going? Because it's, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. 
it's, it's a very interesting time for you guys. It is. It is an interesting time. It is, absolutely. So, so my, my history is, you know, I, I started looking into the computer world when I was picking my degree course. I went and uh, uh, chose computational physics as the degree that I was going to do at university. As it turned out, that was not the best of ideas because the mathematics was much more challenging than I could really handle too easily. But it all worked out because I met my wife on Thursday of Freshers Week and that was, that was great. So uh, IBM wow. was also kind of, yeah, that worked. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That worked, and then we're heading towards uh, large-scale anniversaries in a couple of years. Uh, so um, the, the IBM also came out of the milk round and uh, picked me up before I got my degree classification, which was tremendously helpful. Very good of them to be able to do that. Um, and so I found, uh, you know, moved into IBM, as is the way IBM is very fond of our acronyms. And it turned out I'd applied to a bit of IBM that wasn't actually the bit that I wanted to get into at all, because it was just a set of letters that I didn't recognize. But their uh, process bounced me onto the right bit, and I came into the support center for the, the systems we used to call RS6000s many years ago. And I was surrounded by a group of people who asked all, answered all my questions. And uh, so that's where I've kind of always had this kind of point of view. There are no stupid questions. There are some fairly stupid answers, but no stupid questions, because it's the only way you learn is asking lots and lots and lots of questions. Uh, but I, I stayed in IBM uh, to, to shorten it slightly, 13 years. Then I did leave. I, I've not been in IBM the entire time. I left and I joined one of the business partners. IBM, being the great big corporate tanker that it is, makes extensive use of working with the smaller companies, which can be so much more agile, zipping around the big tanker and servicing our customers in a far more human way. Way, uh, than IBM's able to do. And I stayed with them for about three years before returning to IBM uh, and doing, uh, doing a I couple of I struggled with that, actually. I, 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 IBM has many, many parts to it, right? Many, yes. How many business partners have you got? How many business partners have we got? So in the UK, we have, let's see if the number, I think I have a number of around about 400 so that service IBM Power alone. Now, there can be very greatly different sizes and scales to those business partners. Some of them are considerable businesses in their own rights, and, and you get to a, a certain sort of peak of a, of a handful of these business partners uh, are the ones that make the most money. But in my area of IBM, around about 95% of our business passes through the business partners, and the, the tiny subset of of that is now done direct with IBM, which they find it vastly better. And generally our customers find it vastly better to work through these smaller companies uh, that can be more agile. In many ways, I see IBM after all has been a bit of a vendor of the, that I've, I've used the kind of analogy of Lego bricks before, but we can be a bit of a vendor of the, of the individual bricks, focusing very much on the individual product items. And the partners can be in a better stage where they step back and look at all the bricks and then assemble the actual Lego kits. As, as of course That's they can- as they need, as the customers need, because they can also bring in other bits from other parts, other vendors, because the reality is that hybrid world we're in now, that's what's going to stay. Uh, and we'll be plugging things together in different ways. So where is IBM going? As you say, it's so big that we have had a little bit of a challenge as to what is it that IBM does, that some of our, our customers can now begin to question some of that. And so we have a recent marketing campaign of Let's Create, showing how we are in getting into a world of, of show, show, not tell, of building demos. There'll be, so I'll be, I've been doing some of that. I'll be building more, building demos, showing customers what it is we can actually do. Uh, I'm very good at death by PowerPoint, or so people tell me, uh, but that isn't the way we should actually be always engaging. Uh, we need to be able to build the demonstrations, show people what we can actually do, and take the, the so multiple different bits of IBM that had been extremely siloed. Uh, we, we had been in the world of, you know, antitrust was, a, was a, a real possibility and real concern when I joined IBM some many years ago. It's not really where we are anymore. So we're now at the stage of being able to be, uh, I've 
think something we can come together, group, get behind a, a, a smaller number of clearer sales plays and come out to our customers as a bit more of a joined up group because competing with ourselves is the, the, the history that wasn't very helpful. Yeah. I mean, so, so I mean, how, how would you say IBM has like really changed since you started? So since I started, as I say, we would absolutely be hugely siloed. Uh, and now we have, uh, we've changed. Uh, the diversity of, of Kindle is, is a major change. So that's the bit of IBM that used to do the, the longer term services work, uh, the kind of building of the, of the systems. Uh, that's now come out into an entirely different company. Uh, and so now we can engage with all sorts of different people to do that building part. And we can work with IBM Consultancy, who again have changed their names. Uh, used to be uh, GBS, but again, IBM and their acronyms, we had to explain what GBS stood for and what it was and it's IBM consultancy so business consultancy they can do technology is the now the bit that I'm in and that's a recent change we now have that and that's a couple of years now that we've actually had technology owned by one general manager enabling us to come together in a way that we really didn't do before so we're actually able to group together uh, and to work with our software friends we're still learning we're still get, getting to know each other's areas the software people don't know the hardware and the hardware don't know the software but we now are talking to each other and we can bring solutions to customers that we never really did before. And, and in, in terms of the partnerships, you know, um, actually, am I allowed to go into this? Um, I don't know. We'll see where you're yeah, going to go. <laughs> I think, you know, I've seen some, I've, I've read some really interesting things online. Um, I've also demoed, I've, I've done a couple of demos with like Palantir Technologies. Um, Rumour has it that you guys have obviously been uh, working with them. Um, and, and it's obviously, the, the, there are some like very, very exciting partnerships that are coming out um that, that are coming out of ibm right now and you know what, what, what's really the, the core focus is there a core mission right now for ibm because obviously working with these exciting new technologies exciting new companies you're producing your own um um exciting uh, channels as well yeah, is, yeah. Is there, you know, so, so what, what, where are we going with all of this well, the, the top tagline that you'll hear um, our executives report back to is that we see ourselves as a hybrid cloud and AI company. So as you say, partnerships and, and also, uh, you know, we've been buying companies as well. So we've recently had, for example, I just watched a presentation about Turbonomics. So Turbonomics is a, is a, a company we bought and a company where they use AI to be able to look at the tremendously complicated interaction of all the different little bits of virtual machines and containers and clouds and, and on-prem, uh, the humans to try and find a kind of, to do a analysis of why something's now beginning to go slow. It's extremely difficult because there's so many moving parts. And so it uses machine learned AI to be able to look at how all these different things interact learn what it's supposed to look like, and then learn what it's actually gonna be when that doesn't look right anymore. And then what it can do is, is actually suggest changes that you might want to increase the performance here or decrease the performance there to save you money. So that kind of, of as you say, partnership, and in this case, it is a, it's a, something where we have bought another bit to add to IBM's portfolio, is that kind of linkage. And again, the software piece, just using Turbonauts as an example, it's in the software area, but it can absolutely look to IBM Power, my server area of the, of the world, plus look to IBM, to clouds outside of IBM, IBM Cloud, AWS, Azure, and, and work with all of these, because that's what we see as the reality, is that hybrid uh, piece that uh, it's not just going to be running on my server platform. We have to acknowledge it's going to be bigger than that. And, and um, in terms of like um, quantum, like, I mean, are you involved in any of IBM's like quantum programs or have you been, been involved in any of them yourself? 
I think the short answer is I'm not involved. No, we have a group of quantum ambassadors who are involved, and I know I know who they are. We have people in the UK uh, that are quantum ambassadors, and, and they're they're directly involved in this. What I have, you know, my involvement to the just or, or, or outside and observing to some degree here in York Road, where, where I sit at the moment, our, our new IBM office in York Road, we have uh, a a mock-up, a, a kind of um, a, a example of the quantum system. Uh, it is, of course, it's, it's a, these beautiful curving wires which cool the thing down to this incredibly low temperature to go to do what they do. It's not real because it would be too darn cold to stand near it if that was the true reality. But it's there and I've watched the demonstrations and I've watched the quantum ambassadors talk about what's coming. And I've also been in, been in uh, meetings with people like the big banks talking about how they absolutely see quantum as, as real, as something that's going to do over a lot of different things. But the quantum cryptography area is absolutely real. And so something we've been looking at and what we do about it. Uh, so I've not directly involved in it. A little bit back to my mention of computational physics. The maths involved in that is mind-bending. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've, I've been meeting with quite a few um, quantum physicists uh, without name dropping. We actually, we, and again, we interviewed one um, as part of our podcast series. And like the maths, the amount of hours that are dedicated just to understand like pure mathematics in its rawest yes. form. Yes. they really are like genius i don't like to use that word i don't like to throw it around but they're, they're definitely up there right with with right. genius right right absolutely yes but to understand that and you know to create the, the, these examples is, is is remarkable uh that we are there it is progressing it continues to evolve uh that again is it going to replace the other computing elements no it's not uh, i definitely see this as the sort of thing where it's going to be highly complementary able to do certain uh, workloads in ways that no, the classical simply can't do at all. But with the classical computing will absolutely remain doing what it does, which is also still needed and will be needed for, for my foreseeable future uh, to be able to be side by side uh, and, and useful. And right now, again, we have this, this example of the quantum system just around the corner, but the reality is that they will be in the specialist data centers because of the cooling requirements. I don't see them rolling out to customers data centers in large scale anytime soon. So there'll be another example of that hybrid world of some elements being done in maybe in your data center maybe in other people's data centers such as clouds and others called on the services from elsewhere and and again you know one thing and i hope i don't get in trouble for saying this you know like ibm has been the contrarian in terms of you know you've always been solid with your brand right you've never looked to do anything completely like out there anything different um but you have very much in terms of your business model right you've always been like at the forefront of the, the latest technologies and a big part of our community they want to work for you know the ibms they want to okay. understand how they stand out um for, particularly for the engineers particularly for uh, the developers what should they be focusing on and what should they be learning to make sure that actually if they do, when they are at, the, are at a point in their career where they want to approach IBM, you know, how, how do they get your, how do they get your attention? Interesting. Okay. Um, so, you know, 
some slight maybe as a side for a moment, but on the, on the quantum side, as you say, to, to engineers, etc. I did a guest lecture in, in Cambridge a little while ago uh, to a group of engineers. And of course, that quantum system, the vast majority of it is engineering. It's not computing. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so there is there are definite elements of, of both uh, to be there. And IBM, after all, we know that it does keep evolving and changing. And so uh, there, ha there has been, again, I'm, I'm not too close to the, the hiring process, but it certainly doesn't require you to always have computer science uh, as a background for starters. I, I don't, and I'm just in the process of rolling out a set of videos actually to try and sort of show how some of this is going to be different. Uh, computer science, it, it, it's very helpful to understand how computers work, uh, but to, if you come in thinking that you know, then it's all going to change quite quickly. And so uh, the, the actually having a computer science uh, degree isn't necessarily the, the easiest way to get in. We have people working with me at the moment, articulating the stories in different ways because they view things in different ways. We have people with uh, English literature uh, backgrounds. We have chemistry backgrounds. We have uh, a variety of different backgrounds. So diversity can absolutely work. But I think what we IBM at the moment, uh, as you say, our, our brand, and maybe we haven't done things differently. Again, I try and do things just a, a little bit more differently out there, but I, I kind of stand out a little bit from, from the rest by doing things that are, 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 you know, are different. Telling the stories, being able to get to that business level and actually articulate the business value in these complicated technological advances is what really will make people stand out. Uh, being able to look to quantum and how does that actually change a business? That's the kind of conversation uh, which is really going to be different. Uh, and uh, that's, as you say, to understand quantum in the first place, not easy. Uh, and then understand business, not too easy either and bridging the two together that's that's definitely the sort of thing that can begin to be different and that you can begin really early you can you know get access to the quantum systems you can see the simple demos we do of, of playing cards at the simplest level you can access them and you can begin to run programs on them and so if you could begin to understand how they work to that point and then articulate how business can benefit that would be the sorts of things that would that uh, as we continue to build the business machines of the future that's the kind of bridge that will really be able to make a difference. I don't know if that helps. No, massively. Oh, absolutely, it does. I mean, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that IBM will be employing globally, right? And and you'll be employing um, a whole range of skill sets. Yeah. Um, yes. And again, one thing I think we've kind of touched on is, you know, that diversity, equity, and inclusion part. Yep. You know, in order to make sure that, you know, we we're developing the best technologies we have to make sure that we're understanding um you know uh, uh, everyone's background really and understanding how to build the technologies the right way um yes that's right and the, and the, the go-to-market structure that we've had that i've mentioned this thing called ibm technology that changed ibm technology has indeed meant that we've actually had a we had a lot of people leave ibm at that point to, to be quite transparent about it with it uh, we did have a group of our our uh, more experienced sellers uh did, did have a little bit of a habit of walking into and when they were challenged by maybe a technical question saying oh well i'm not technical and backing away with great speed and that's something which we which can't really do anymore we, we need to yeah. understand a level of technical everybody has different depths nobody knows everything i certainly don't know everything and so you have different depths to it uh, but that means that we now we've, we've moved on certain people that didn't feel they can retrain into that kind of world um for, for better or for worse they're very experienced individuals but uh, that's where we are and we are now as you say hiring extensively in lots of countries all over the world uh, to be able to bring in people with different skill sets to be able to uh, come in and get ready to do that let's create get ready to do that show not tell uh, work out how you can take what maybe at first glance a, a big black box with flashing lights on it. How do I do a show not tell that shows the business benefit of that to, to a C-level exec? 
it can be done, but it takes a little bit of a looking at things a bit differently to be able to do that. And and the, the future for IBM again, I, I kind of feel like um, I, I've asked this in a roundabout way, but really, where are you going to be in, in ten years from now? You know, we are going to see like we are going to see huge advancements in artificial intelligence. Yeah, we are yeah. going to see. I mean, is, is AI going to be one of those things for um, for IBM where you end up having a lot more employees because it creates more opportunity, or is it going to be oh, something I do think where so. you would yes. think so? I absolutely do think so. Yes, that uh, as you say, it will have impact on the overall wider job market. Uh, that, uh, but I think at the same time, it will also create jobs as well. That's certainly my view of it. Is it's going to do both. Understanding how it how it works, understanding the data, understanding how to be able to to look at this in a different way. Uh, you know, corral that data, clean it up. Uh, is it's like the actual world of data science is huge, um, and it's going to continue to be enormous. Uh, and yes, I expect people to be hiring for some time in the ten year time scale. You're talking about i absolutely think that quantum will be will be the mainstream by then uh, that, that will be something which people are using at that point and ai will absolutely continue to evolve uh, and shift uh, where I, I i'm trying to get uh, customers right now who are using that structured data i think that's got to be a tipping point very soon as to where we begin to really do machine learning on that structured data in a way that that today my customers are not always doing that right now and so i, that's, I think something we have enablement and new code new hardware elements in our service right now to begin doing that and i think that's going to speed up i think there'll be a lot more activity but, in that structured data sense but will that create further challenges then for your customers or is that something whereby your customers are already equipped to deal with those the, the I, I think you're right i think because a, a, a customer today who is used to being a database administrator for example uh, they won't by, by today have the skills to be able to apply machine learning directly to that data themselves could they learn it could they pick it up yeah i, I think i think all sorts of people can the ability to be able to do this again some of our tooling uh, you know i want i mentioned math is not always the something i find too easy my daughter's much better at it uh, but uh, i wasn't always that great at it. So when it came to doing some of the machine learning I have done, uh, you know, I had to, to borrow and, and look at, and it was quite challenging for me to be able to move forward in that space. But being able to do that and, and do machine learning on the data that we have today will require additional skills. Uh, and either people that are there today have to learn them, or people can come in and they don't have to have the database skills themselves. But again, I can see a cross-pollination of the skills there. Of the, this is how you run the data, how structured my data is today. And then I can come in with a different kind of viewpoint. Oh, and I can now begin to look at that data, explore it in new ways, visualize the data in ways I never have before, and get answers out of those and be able to see what we can actually do to get answers out of the data and new ways of doing business out of that data too. So overall, is it fair to say that you're you're very confident and you're actually very bullish really about the opportunities that advancements in artificial intelligence will create for the jobs market I absolutely. I think that the, the way that question is phrased, absolutely, I do. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, in my my space, that uh, uh, the world of of cloud is is challenging for me because a cloud can be so so everything must go to the cloud. Well, actually, yeah. I, I don't really quite agree with that, and so that can be challenging for me in a server space. But yes, absolutely. For, from from IBM's high level strap line of of uh, hybrid cloud and AI, it's there for a good reason. Uh, you know, it's selected at the, that general manager who was just in the meeting with me earlier. Uh, the general manager level is that that piece and, that, and that's right and that's real because AI is going to remain that big uh, for the foreseeable future and really I can't see it slowing down at all it's going to be huge yeah and I, I think it's something that you know you and I um, spoke about a few years back um, in terms of 
if governments, if society approaches AI the right way, then actually not only is it going to create this huge, huge new sector, I think McKinsey said and predicts it'll be something like a 15 trillion, 15.4 trillion dollar sector alone by 2030. Um, yeah. And I think those predictions were pre-pandemic, so it's probably more now. They're going to create subsectors. And I think that there's such an amazing opportunity if approached in the right way yeah. to create both technical and non-technical jobs. Um, so yeah, there's definitely, there's, there's, whilst we're seeing this erosion of the jobs market um, from mm -hmm. automation, I think we're also seeing this creation of like huge opportunity. And I think yes. you know, that's something that we, needs to be approached delicately. Yes, yes, I think that's perfectly fair. Uh, absolutely, yes. That uh, I do think those new jobs are, are, are there and more, more will be created. I think that's absolutely right. Uh, but if we're going to infuse all of our uh, systems, uh, so the storage and the server technologies, uh, the, with the ability to do AI, then doing that AI right uh, is a different skill set from, from what the people that have been doing it before. Because uh, yes, there are risks and you do need to be able to be, be aware of it. You need to be aware of the data uh, in ways that have, people haven't really been before. Uh, large ways of data is untapped today. And so we need to be able to work out how we do work with that, be able to get useful answers out of that. But as you say, with a level of care, uh, because if you, if you treat it uh, as the entirety of the truth, uh, on its own, that may not be the case. Uh, and you need to be aware of the differences and the biases that will be in there to be able to get to trusted uh, systems that will actually be able to move forward. David, it's been brilliant to have you with us today. Thank My you pleasure. very, very much for your time. Uh, all, all, always interesting and insightful. So yeah, um, I really do appreciate having you here today. No problem at all. And if you have any other questions or, or your uh, readers or listeners <laughs> have, have questions, feel free to track me down on LinkedIn or similar, and we're happy to explore. We definitely will. Thank you very much. Thank you, David Spurway, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks so much.